episode 39 of the talk show coming up we got my theory on luka Doncic and the dallas Mavericks situation it is a crazy crazy conspiracy theory it has grown it has legs it's nuts all that and more coming up we also have talk about trey young talk about lebron the knicks what all those teams can do the rest of the nba that's not currently playing in the playoffs all that and more coming up next on the talk show Before we get into the episode, I did want to mention something. Um, when I finished recording this episode, I had a twist on my conspiracy theory. Um, so I added it at the end. So if you want to hear the full Luka Doncic, Dallas Mavericks conspiracy theory, you have to listen to the very end of the episode or you could skip ahead um, once you're done listening to the first part of it. But all that is coming up. So uh, stay tuned. Here is the episode now. Welcome back to another episode of the talk show. It's episode 39. I'm your host as always, Rami. It's funny. I, I talk about how I do the podcast and different things that I try. So that's something that I've never tried. I've never tried to do. I'm your host as always. Um, so that's new. So I did that today. <laughs> um, but there's so much to get to. It's kind of the same as yesterday where I said, I'm so glad I waited. I am glad I didn't talk about this yesterday because so many new things happen. Now the news cycle specifically in the NBA seems to be breaking down every day. First of all, if you didn't listen to my rant from yesterday on baseball, it's a minute 22 and 52 seconds through about minute 28 or something. It's six minutes or five minutes. You can listen to it on one and a half speed. It's about three and a half minutes, and I'm definitely going to post it a little bit later. It was phenomenal. I didn't know I had that in me, being able to rant like that, and it was totally off the cuff. I wrote in my show notes, which I have here in front of me, um, I just wrote that the you know i just needed to talk about baseball and the yankees and where it's headed and i just wrote yankees slash baseball i didn't even write anything else and i just dove into this monologue i don't know how it happened it just kind of happened um and i'm so happy it did because that's one of the best things uh, i've done and also i talked about trey young and that was planned i wanted to talk about trey young his maturation and the process and what he did last night was even more impressive and i posted the video uh, late last night of just him and it was hard for me to edit those videos in those Knicks videos it definitely stung a little bit more still but what Trey Young has been able to do in the maturation of Trey Young has been remarkable so let's jump right into it because speaking of maturation that's where I'm going to get to next and the conversation shifts to Luka Doncic the Dallas Mavericks situation by now everyone knows by now it's completely you know fallen apart and it's completely dismantled for the Dallas Mavericks organization. It seems like all hell has broken loose. It's unclear what's going on there. It's unclear where it's coming from. Um, I wrote this. I'll tell you, I wrote this on June 8th. So this is going back uh, a week ago now, a little over a week ago, maybe 10 days ago. I talked about Luka Doncic and I talked about the situation. So let me set the stage first before we get too far carried away. The Dallas Mavericks lose, which is fine, but there's obviously a tension between Kristaps Porzingis, no shocker there again, and Luka Doncic. Now, Luka Doncic is one of the, probably the top five players in the league. And if you had to choose one player to start a franchise with for the next 15 years to be successful, you'd probably choose Luka Doncic. Mark Cuban is considered a great owner. Rick Carlisle is considered one of the best coaches in the league and the front office with Donnie Nelson and those guys was considered one of the best front offices. They make the Porzingis trade with the Knicks. 
people are laughing at the Knicks. They stole Chris Stapp's Porzingis from the Knicks, a guy who's a unicorn, a guy who is a franchise type player, could be the best, definitely the second to best player on a championship team. He's so unique. His skill set and size and the combination of that is just something we've never seen before. And everyone's super excited for Dallas. This, wow, this is crazy. Um, fast forward a couple of years, the guy not only can't stay healthy, but he seems uninterested. He just hangs out on the perimeter and he was terrible in the series. So now people are like, Hmm, now you kind of got to trade Porzingis, but how are you going to trade him with this massive contract? Nobody wants him. He's still young. Who's going to take a chance on him? I don't know, but we kind of have to get rid of him because of Luca. And then you kind of think back, you're like, damn, you have one of the best players in the league. You made a trade to put a really significant big piece next to him. And it completely blew up in your face. And I think the surrounding talent outside of Porzingis and Luca is not great, but something was obviously very wrong with this Dallas Mavericks organization, but people are always like, well, come on, you're not getting rid of Luca. There's no problem there. This guy's been one of the best players from the moment he walked onto an NBA basketball floor. He's probably been one of the best players on the floor at all times. And you also talk about um, Chris Dallas Porzingis. And you're like, well, yeah, it hasn't clicked yet, but he's been hurt. And then this year is the first time it was like, mm, they're kind of worse when he's on the floor than when he's off it. And he doesn't seem happy and they don't seem to get along. It's funny. The reason I brought up Trey Young is because, and I'll get to this point in a minute. If you would have asked a couple of years ago or even earlier this year or even a month ago, who won the Trey Young Luka Doncic trade? Everyone laughed at the at the Atlanta Hawks. Everyone left, but who's still in the playoffs? Who might advance to the Eastern Conference Finals? Is it Trey Young or is it Luka Doncic? So we'll get to that in a minute. But here's the here's what I wrote. And my point in this was Luka may not be long for Dallas. And again, this was just a theory that I was putting out there. I didn't think that it was anything crazy. Again, it's 10 days ago before any of this stuff went down. I had heard rumblings from Bill Simmons. And when he talks, I listen. Um, generally when he says something and he was kind of iffy on it, he wasn't saying anything in particular. He was kind of just saying, Hey, this could happen. He kind of just threw it out there in passing. But when he does something like that, generally a week later, what happens is news like this breaks and it worked out this time. But here's what I wrote about Luca. Basically Luca is under contract for the next two seasons, which would be his fourth and fifth in the league. After three years, this is year three for Luca. Teams generally offer players a three-year extension. It starts in year five and ends in year seven. Every player ever offered that deal has taken it. It's your first chance at real money and offers you some security. So far, are you with me? For Luca, it would take his year five salary from $13 million to $35 million, roughly. So basically, they get their entrance contract into the NBA um, and really good players after three years. It's a five-year contract. They're, the last two years are team options. And after three years, generally, um, teams give really good players the extension uh, to years, you know, usually through year seven, like I just said. Um, and why players take it is it offers you security for two extra seasons, and then year five, your salary jumps by a significant amount. For Luca, probably going to be over $20 million. And then... After two more years of $35 million, Luca will only be 26 years old. He'll have been in the league for seven years. And at this point, he could sign a five-year, $50 million a year Supermax. Right? So that's generally what people do. They, they, they play those seven years of their career, those first seven. 
the first four of them are on a rookie deal where you're getting paid like $10 million, $15 million. And then the next three or sorry, the next, yeah, the next three after that years, five through seven, you get that big extension where it's like $30 million a year. If you're really good. And Luca has made, you know, all NBA teams, multiple years and all stars. So all those things, he could get extra money because of that, because he's been so good. So here's where Luca's unique. He's been so good so early. He's a team first. He's a first team, all NBA guy every year already. And he'd be eligible for a huge contract after year five if he doesn't sign the extension after year three. So instead of making $35 million in year five, he'd only make 13. But in year six and seven, he could make 45 instead of 35. So basically, he'd already make up that money that he's losing out, that $20 million that he's losing out on. In year five, he'd make it up in year six and seven, assuming he could stay healthy through year five. And you don't have that security. Yeah, you're making less. But with how good Luca's been, why would he be the first player ever to do it? You know, no player has ever done it. Why would he be the first to take a chance? So why would Luca take the risk? Here's why. First, he's so good at such a young age. He's proven he's the most important player to a winning title team or to any team he'd be on. Why give the team he's currently on a discount? Basically, you're giving them a discount. Because if you think about it, yeah, you're making more in year five, but year six and seven, you're making so much less. So why give them a discount? In those two years, you could already make up the money that you lost in year five. And the second reason is the Mavs haven't put a competitive team around him. And he's not making any... And it's kind of interesting because this never happens in the NBA. It's very rare. Usually when a, a, a player, by the time he gets into his own and he's really, really good enough to be the best player on the team, he's five, six years in the league, he's already making a lot of money. But Luka's not making any money. So you could afford to put a great team around him. It's like a quarterback on a rookie contract. They always say, win on the rookie contract. You all remember what happened with Russell Wilson. He run on, won on his rookie contract, went to back-to-back Super Bowls, lost the second time, and then hasn't been back since. We've seen the same thing with... Patrick Mahomes, and now they lost a bunch of their offensive line pieces. They lost the Super Bowl. Who knows if Patrick Mahomes is going to get back to the Super Bowl? And maybe he will. Maybe he won't. That's not the point. The point is that it's the NFL theory. That doesn't usually work with NBA guys. And the reason it doesn't work with NBA guys is because when they're that young, they're not ready to be in control of the team the way quarterbacks are at 21, 22 when they come to the NFL. But an NBA player coming in at 18 straight out of college after one year is not ready to take over the team like that. So it usually takes a bunch of years anyway. But with Luka, any of the last three seasons, he could have been the best player on a championship team. And that's perfectly conceivable. So the fact that he was making so little money and yet he was the best player on a team is so rare. How'd you not put a championship caliber roster around him or at least a roster that can make it out of the first round around him? So if Luke is looking at that, he's probably saying to himself, you have a ton of cap space because I'm making nothing. Show me you're savvy enough to get rid of poor Zingas and get value for him back and build the roster and make things easier for me. Show me that you can put together a team that I can win with in the next two years before my five-year contract is up, and then I'll sign with you. I'm not signing the extension now. Maybe he'll sign it after year four. But if I'm Luca, I'm not signing the extension this offseason. They're going to put it in front of him, but I'm not signing him. 
So that's what I wrote about 10 days ago. And the ultimate prevailing thought I had was, well, it doesn't matter because Mark Cuban's going to toss him some money on the side. He'll figure out a way to make him stay. Mark Cuban's one of the, considered one of the best owners in the NBA. Whether he has to give him Bitcoin or buy him a house in Dallas or do something a little shady, send something off to a uh, offshore account, I wouldn't put it past Mark Cuban. And not in a bad way. He's just one of the best. And he's going to make sure he keeps an all-time franchise guy like Luka Doncic around. Um, all that being said, what goes down after that? So Donnie Nelson yesterday steps down or he parts ways. He didn't step down. He parted ways. And that's important because maybe he was fired. It's unclear what happened, but Donnie Nelson now no longer with the Dallas Mavericks. And Luca comes out and he had this to say about Donnie Nelson, the general manager, no longer being with the team. It was kind of tough for me. I really like Donnie. I know him since I was a kid, and he was the one who drafted me. It was tough for me seeing that, but I'm not the one making the decisions here. That doesn't sound like a guy who's thrilled. And if your whole point is trying to keep Luka Doncic happy, I don't know if (laughs) that's going to keep your superstar happy. So what are you doing, Mark Cuban? And then your all-time coach, your coach who won a championship, who's been there for 15 years, really created a dynasty, Rick Carlisle, considered one of the best coaches in the league and will have offers lined up for him. And I hope he goes to Boston with Brad Stevens and he could turn the two Jays, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, into from two talented guys individually to a super talented championship type team. But that's besides the point. That guy decides, I'm out. I'm leaving. He resigned today. Woj announced it. Crazy news coming from Dallas. So my father and I actually spent some time developing theories. We're just on the phone with each other talking about this for a little bit. So the theories were back and forth, but here's the theory we came up with. And first I thought that the GM was obviously fired and the head coach obviously left. I thought the GM was fired over the Porzingis trade. You need a fall guy. Now we have this huge asset, $30 million or whatever that Porzingis is making, and we can't get rid of it. Luca hates him. He stinks. I'm Mark Cuban. What do I do? You're fired. Why? Because you did that. Rick Carlisle sees that. I love Donnie Nelson. Why are you firing that guy? I'm out. So that was my first theory. That was my initial theory. Then I thought of something else. The Portland Trailblazers are in a very interesting situation. Everyone talks about their offseason plans. Are they going to trade CJ McCollum? Are they going to trade Damian Lillard? My advice to the Portland Trailblazers is, and it was, and I said this on the show, fire Terry Stotts and try and run it back. Try and retool a little bit. Maybe get rid of Joseph Nurkic or something. You have two really great wing players at an important position, guys who are three-point shooters, guys who can create for themselves. It's kind of like a poor man's version, but not even of Steph and Clay, Damon CJ. Those guys are incredible, and obviously it hasn't worked yet. They haven't been fully healthy, but you don't get rid of one of those guys just because it hasn't worked yet. At any point, Dame can win you a series. At any point, he can go off and will you to a series win just on his own so and he's done it he's done it multiple times i mean the okc series the houston series we know you don't need to list all of it 
you don't get rid of guys like that. So my, what I thought they should do is I thought they should keep both of them and hire a new head coach. Now, when they fired the head coach, a lot of, there was a lot of negative backlash from the team to that. They were like, Oh, we love the guy. We love coach Dodds. We love coach Dodds, which is interesting. I wasn't expecting that, but okay, it's fine. He's a guy who was there for a while and I, they respect him and love him. They want to show that that's fine, but I still think they should keep the team together and not make any trades. What happens is though, and I don't know the name of the GM there, but the GM gets selfish and the GM says, Hmm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy myself some time. I'm going to tell them that I'm tearing it down, trading CJ and Dame. And I have a six-year plan. And in year six, we'll be successful. Now, all of a sudden, you have a six-year plan. They have to let you see it through. Whereas they just fired the head coach. If you say, hey, I'm going to make it work with these guys, just hire a new head coach. Now, if it still doesn't work with those guys, you're the one who's had his on the chopping block. And now the GM's gone. So while I think the smart play is to keep both of them, I think for the GM, if he wants long-term security in Portland and keep his job, the smartest move for him on a personal level will be to say, you know what? You're right. It hasn't worked out. Let's trade these guys. So let's get back to Dallas. How does that relate to Dallas? Maybe Donnie Nelson thought he should trade Luka Doncic. And he went to Mark Cuban and he said, Mark, Luca's got to be traded. And Mark obviously said, that's crazy. He is a once in a generation type player. We are not trading him. And here's why I think the only reason that me and my father came up with, when we were going back and forth. And this is the theory we came up with. And there was a lot of back and forth. Um, but this is the only thing that makes sense to me. But it's totally obviously just a you know, we just came up with this theory in our heads and we, there are no facts to back this up. But we thought that the only way that would happen is there's there's two things. Luka Doncic is obviously a franchise player and he is one of the best players in the league. And like I said, if you want to win a championship today, he's probably a top seven guy you would take. If you wanted to win a championship some point in the next 15 years, he's definitely the number one guy you would take. So why would you want to move off of a guy like that, a generational type talent? So there are two things. There are two flaws that you could look to in Luka Doncic's game. One is when he's off the ball, he doesn't give full effort. So that includes defense. That includes when he's on offense and he doesn't have the ball in his hands the whole time. And Porzingis talked about that. He said one of the things he didn't like was that Luka has the ball in his hands the whole time. And if Luca learned how to play a little bit off ball, catch and shoot, uh, play more defense, played with some heart, then I think that would help improve him to even an even better player. Obviously, he's one of the best players, and but he could be even better if he can learn how to play off ball. The second thing, and I said this earlier in the year, I said this watching him in a couple of series, I said Luca needs to get into better shape. Luca had a couple of nagging injuries throughout the season. Luca is a guy who if you watch him closely enough and you don't even have to watch him that closely late in games, he starts to look tired. And that's something that is problematic for Luka Doncic and for the Mavericks. If he's out of shape, if he, if he doesn't care to be in shape, then that's something that could actually burn them. And I think both of those things come back to one bigger picture thing. Luka Doncic might be very immature. <laughs> and it's perfectly conceivable. 
The guy's 22 years old. He's a superstar. He's a millionaire. The world worships him from the second he walked into this league. Why wouldn't he be immature? And you could see him screaming at refs and that type of stuff. That could be immaturity. So I think there are a lot of signs of immaturity with Luka Doncic. Huh. So what I would say is, here's a guy who's super immature. And the Dallas Mavericks GM, Donnie Nelson, said to Mark Cuban, hmm, I don't think he's immature. I think there's a bigger problem here. I think this guy has a personality issue. People don't like him. He has a hard time getting along with people. I think we need to move him. We could get a boatload. The types we've never seen a return for ever for Luka Doncic. Let's get rid of him now. Solve our problem. We'll rebuild. Here's the six-year plan I have plotted out for you. And like I said with Portland, this would make perfect sense. If he doesn't think that Luka can mature or can turn his personality around the next couple of years, he knows he's going to be fired anyway. So why have to deal with the headache of trying to make Luka a winner just to be fired in a couple of years anyway when you can have the, put this plan in play? Mark Cuban hated that idea. Mark Cuban said, we're not getting rid of this guy. Are you insane? This guy is the franchise. This guy is everything. We can't get rid of this guy. You're fired. And he fired Donnie Nelson. And Mark Cuban's theory is, well, I'll, don't worry. I'll patch the relationship with Luca. Rick Carlisle sees that. Rick Carlisle's an all-time coach. And he says, I kind of agree with Donnie Nelson. I'm in the locker room every day. I'm with these guys. I see the guys. I see how they interact. I'm with him. Luca's immature. And you fired my guy over Luca. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> that was a funny tweet. Also, uh, somebody wrote about uh, if you're if you're a Shark Tank guy. I recently became a Shark Tank guy. I started listening to it a little bit, watching it. I guess it is. Although I really just watched it. It was like for like a 24 hour period over Memorial Day. It was on TV. I was in a hotel and I started watching a ton of Shark Tank um, the entire time I was there, and I couldn't turn it off. I was fascinated by it. I got to the point that like it from at three o'clock in the morning, whatever the TV turns to paid programming. Uh, that's what it ha- that's what happened. I was like, what? No more Shark Tank? And I was just watching back-to-back-to-back episodes. I was really fascinated. I never really watched an episode of Shark Tank before. Um, so that was kind of cool. But if you know, they always say, and for that reason, I'm out. So Rick Carlisle said to Mark Cuban, who's one of the sharks on Shark Tank, and for that reason, I'm out. Anyway, that was a funny tweet. But the point is, those two guys left because they think that Luca might not be the guy. And as talented as he is, maybe they can't fix him. As far as Mark Cuban, I think he's right. When you have a talent like Luka Doncic, you don't give up on him when he's 22 years old. You hope he's immature and that he'll change. So if you're Mark Cuban, yeah, I'll lose Donnie Nelson. I'll lose Rick Carlisle. And it sucks. Those guys are incredible guys, arguably irreplaceable. But you know who we know is irreplaceable talent-wise? Luka Doncic. We'll work with him. We'll figure it out. It's kind of like... And this is a theory I gave to my father. It's like a pitcher in baseball. You know how when a pitcher has really good natural stuff, natural ability, natural talent, just he throws a really good slider that no one else can throw. And then it's just a natural throwing, but he can't locate and he can't stay healthy and he can't do this and he can't do that. Teams, he'll, he'll bounce around. He'll always get a new contract team to team to team. A guy like Nathan Avaldi comes to mind. A guy like uh, Michael Pineda comes to mind. Two guys who are both in the Yankee system teams take chances on him and say, well, with our pitching coaches and with our technology and with our this and with our training staff, we're going to fix this guy. Any team 
any one of the 29 teams in the NBA today, if you offered them Luka Doncic and you told them straight up, you said, there's this wrong with him, that wrong with him. He's immature. He'll never get healthy. He, he doesn't want to. He has a superstar mentality. He loves arguing the way he argues with the refs. He argues with the coaches, the way he argues with the refs, he argues with his teammates. He's totally just a, a it's impossible to deal with and we can't anymore. But here, have him. Every one of the 29 teams would sign up immediately and say, we'll take him. We'll pay you every asset we have in order to take him. Just because we think that we can take this talent and turn the personality around and make him the superstar that he already is and take him to the next level and make him a team player. So why would Mark Cuban ever trade that asset away? He'll tell you today, I'll keep that asset. I'll take my chances and I hope he matures and I'll work on him. I'll work with him. Why let another team work with him? And if you two don't want to work with him, Donnie Nelson, Rick Carlisle, you know where the door is. And they left. And if it's such a mess that they left over it, I don't know what the story is, but that's the only conceivable thing. Because if they left over Chris Stapp's Porzingis, that just doesn't make any sense. Why would you leave a franchise? Why would you leave a player like Luka Doncic? Why would you leave an owner like Mark Cuban? Why would you leave a place that you're in for 15 years over Chris Stapp's Porzingis? Chris Stapp's Porzingis, you move him. You cut him. You do something. You figure it out. Okay, let's start over. Let's figure something out. You take on a couple of big contracts for him. Yeah, that was a bad trade. Bad trades happen all the time. You have one of the most prolific players in the league, a guy who you can change the game with. You guys have someone that is obviously going to be a best, the best player on a championship team in the next 15 years, probably on a dynasty team. So why would you ever walk away from that? Unless he's the one who's the problem. Think about that. And if that's the case, and Trey Young just stepped up to the plate, and when he got a new coach who told him, hey, you have to be more of a team player. You have to stop looking to draw foul so much. You have to start playing more of a team game, playing smart, controlling the tempo, playing more D, passing more. And in the biggest moments, he stepped up. And he's hushed every crowd, both literally and figuratively. And became this superstar monster that he's been in these playoffs. Then you tell me who won the Trey Young, Luka Doncic trade. Because it doesn't look like the Mavericks today. If you look today, and this is going to be a great 30 for 30 one day. And for the first two and a half years, two years and literally till a month ago, every single person would tell you, of course, the the Mavericks killed them in that trade. But if you look today at who won the trade between Trey Young and Luka Doncic and the Atlanta Hawks and the Dallas Mavericks, it doesn't look like it's the Mavericks. That's for sure. So obviously, as a Knicks fan, rumors have been swirling um, that Luca will be going to the Knicks because that's what happens. When the Knicks smell a little bit of success, all of a sudden, another player is disgruntled. Well, he must be going to the Knicks. Another player who I don't know if you want to believe the reports, but reports are coming out um, that his family is not happy in New Orleans is Zion Williamson. And at the same time, reports are coming out that Zion has talked about playing with uh, R.J. Barrett in the league when they were at Duke together. They talked about playing together in the NBA. Um, So, of course, the Knicks are in the headlines. And Knicks fans out there, we're going to have R.J., Zion, and and Luka. They're already penciling in their starting lineups 
for the 2021-22 NBA season. So hold your role, Knicks fans. And let's talk about a realistic plan for the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks lost in spectacular fashion to Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks, which right now kind of doesn't seem that crazy anymore. <laughs> they could beat Philly in six, right? I mean, that's very likely to happen. So don't come at me and tell me, oh, it's so crazy that the Knicks lost to them in five and arguably were a weird turnover away or a turnover that ended up not being a turnover away from beating them in game one. And yeah, they got blown out games three through five, but they could have been up 2-0 in that series, the Knicks. And Julius Randle never showed up in that series because they game plan to stop Julius Randle and only Julius Randle. So don't tell me that it's so crazy that you lost if they eventually go to the conference finals, if they somehow go to the finals finals. I mean, not that crazy that the Knicks lost to them. What Trey Young has done has been incredible. So if you think that everything that the Knicks that happened to the Knicks was because the Knicks are bad, well, they just you're not giving enough credit to the Hawks and to Trey Young then. Another thing is I noticed this with the Clippers last night, and you gotta give so much credit to Pandemic Playoff P, who is now reverted back to PG thirteen. He took a game, it wasn't like Kevin Durant, but he took a game into his own hands and he dominated. But earlier in this postseason, when it was just playoff P and and Kawhi Leonard doing their thing, and I talked about how they have two wings and they'll just wing it the rest of the way and they're relying on other guys, how could they be relying on those other guys? I thought to myself, all Knicks fans were saying, well, we didn't get any contributions from Reggie Bullock. We didn't get any contributions after game one from Alec Burks. We didn't get any contributions. Maybe the problem isn't that you didn't get contributions from them. Maybe the problem is that you were expecting to get contributions from them. The fact that you needed major contributions from those guys in order to go on a championship run, that is the issue. Not that you didn't get the contributions from them in the end. When you put it that way, it kind of makes sense. So the Knicks need to fix up their role players. Why don't I think Julius Randle is the guy who needs to be fixed? Listen, Randle may not be the best player on a, on a championship team, but look at where the Knicks were when he played well versus where they were when he didn't play well. When he didn't play well, the team looked the way they looked against Atlanta. And when he played well, for instance, the regular season games against Atlanta, the Knicks were incredible. So don't tell me that that doesn't show you how valuable Julius Randle is. And I said that. But don't give him a contract now. If you still don't trust that Julius Randle could do it, you have another year. Wait it out. There's no downside to that. If superstar Julius Randle returns, second team All-NBA, first team All-NBA, whatever he might do next year, then you don't have a problem giving him a bigger contract after next year. The reason you don't, the only reason you give him a contract after this year is because next year you'd have to give him an even bigger one. But if he proves that he's really worth the contract next year, then you give it to him after next year. And if he doesn't perform, then you let him walk or you get him on a cheaper deal. There's no downside to just waiting it out. Meanwhile, you don't spend any crazy money this offseason. You try and get someone, a playmaker there, who can actually play point guard and score and shoot 
instead of Alfred Payton, you replace maybe one of Bullock or Burks for a guy who can play. And I see a lot of Marcus Smart to the Knicks uh, tweets and stuff. And I get it. Marcus Smart is the perfect Tibbs guy. But I don't want him. He is not He's not conducive to winning in the way the NBA is played today. He's just not. He can't shoot. He's inconsistent. He can't really create for himself. He's not that great at creating for others. The only thing he does is create a headache for the opposing point guard, but then kind of gets blown by because he over-pursues on certain plays and goes for rebounds when he should be hanging on his guy in the corner. Anyway, not the point. This is not an anti-Marcus Smart thing. He's an energy guy. He's a gel guy. He's not a starting point guard guy. So, Knicks fans, stop it. But if you get a couple of role players, you improve the team. You improve the team by five to seven wins. That's fine. Five to ten wins. Look, there were ten wins over 500 this year. So we get to 15 games over 500. Maybe Julius Randle either proves himself or doesn't. But it gives you another opportunity to build. Mitchell Robinson can mature. RJ Barrett can mature another year. Maybe you get something out of Obi Toppin. We saw what he's capable of a little bit in the playoffs. Maybe you see a little bit more of what Emmanuel quickly is capable of. Hmm? How does that sound, Knicks fans? That's my idea for the Knicks. That's my idea for their offseason. Again, they were eliminated. I'm upset. I'm disappointed with the way the playoffs went. I will forever remember this Knicks team. I just bought a Knicks 2021 We Here Playoffs t-shirt because I don't want to forget this team. Whether it's the beginning of something or whether it was a one-year fluke, this team was so special, and I think they need to build on it and not tear it apart by trading every asset they currently have for a quote-unquote superstar who's going to end up being like Fred Van Fleet or something. Not the way I would do it. I said I would get to my uh, LeBron take yesterday. Another thing I'm trying, <laughs> I get to say yesterday because I recorded a podcast yesterday. If you didn't hear that one, go back and listen to it. Recording a podcast on back-to-back days, especially when there's been this crazy news cycle, is fun. Um, it kind of puts me in your ear a little bit more. If you're listening to this, you hear more of my voice and you get to hear my take. You don't have to wait a week to listen to my take. So that's kind of the idea. That's why I decided to split these two podcasts up and see if people actually want to hear what my take is. Um, <laughs> so that's that. I said I was going to get to LeBron take. And my LeBron take is this. I don't understand. I've never seen this in my life where a guy is in any sport um, universally a superstar. Everyone agrees he's a top two player of all time. Even if you don't think he's better than Jordan, he's a top two player of all time. He's easily the best of this generation and has been the best player in the league for the last almost 20 years. Why does he get as much hate as he does? Why don't people appreciate it the way people appreciate superstars in every sport? Whether they're liked, loved, or whether they're, you know, compared to your favorite player. Like, everyone appreciates the greatness of Tom Brady. No one denies it. Even if you think that, you know, Rodgers is better at some points in his career, you thought that. Or some points you thought Peyton was better. Or maybe you're a Jets fan like me, and you can't stand the Patriots, and he's been beating you your whole life. You still got to appreciate that he's great. The same thing for LeBron. Whatever you have against him. Why? Why Why can't people just sit back and appreciate that this is one of the greatest players? We're never going to see a guy like this again. Not never, but it's so rare to see a guy who's this good and this dominant for so long. Why don't people appreciate it? Why do people hate LeBron so much? Well, I have an answer. 
it's because he's very scripted. He is always, you know, he tries to be that guy who talks and talks about issues openly and can do certain things and can, you know, help change the world. And he just comes off as fake. He comes off as a liar. He comes off as condescending. LeBron is doing it to himself. And he hates the shut up and dribble thing. I get that. But if he was just a play, a, 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 an NBA player who went out there every night and played basketball, everyone would love and appreciate him. But instead, he decides, I'm not just going to go to Miami. I'm going to make the decision, a TV show. I'm going to get eliminated from the playoffs. And instead of talking about, you know, the team for next year and how we can build and how we can move forward, I'm going to talk about my movie that's coming out. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say, I told you so everyone was going to get hurt. After I lose in a playoff series, the night before I was throwing alley-oops to myself off the backboard, but now I'm wearing a cast because I broke my hand in game one. If you broke your hand in game one, sure didn't look like it in games two through five or whatever that was. There's so many different ones. You know, he loves to be up with the times. So there was one time where he was asked about, asked about The Godfather and he's like, yo, there are so many good lines. I can't think of one, but that's my favorite movie. Everyone who has a favorite movie usually has at least a couple of like lines that they can recite back, like off the top of their head. Um, and every picture of him uh, reading a book, he's always on the first page, um, which is funny. So I think that's the point. I think the point is if LeBron just calmed down for a little, wasn't always trying to be an actor and so polished. It's not even that he talks about like politics or policies or how he thinks the world should be, which is fine. Or he talks about the league and he's an ambassador of the league. That's fine. People do that. Chris Paul does that. And Chris Paul's great. Chris Paul, everyone loves Chris Paul. It's like the everything seems so fake and so acting and so just ungenuine. People like genuine. People like real. And LeBron is not that. And that's why people don't like LeBron. So that's my little theory. Um, I thought it was going to sound better, but it, it just is what it is. Um, and that's pretty much all I got. Uh, it's it's funny. The Wizards, they're in an interesting position. I told you yesterday they fired Scott Brooks finally. But Russell Westbrook, a year older, when he almost looked dead at the beginning of the year, I know the end of the year he pulled through. I don't. Maybe they do trade Bradley Beal this offseason because... I don't think they're any closer to a championship. I think it was stupid that they decided to win all those games late. Like, I think they should have just tanked and gotten a higher draft pick. Um, and obviously, it's easier to say now. But Scott Brooks lost his job anyway. They could have had Cade Cunningham with Bradley Beal. That would have been awesome. Um, as far as my Yankee rant yesterday, <laughs> that was awesome. Jacob DeGrom. I was really excited for DeGrom day yesterday. He pitched and then he got hurt. There's obviously something wrong with him. I don't know what it is. Um, but there's obviously something wrong with him. And he's going to keep going out there and pitching every five days. And if he has to keep coming out of the game, that would be kind of disappointing. I mentioned Boston for one second. that I thought Rick Carlisle should go there. So let's talk about that for a second. Danny Ainge steps down. Brad Stevens becomes the general manager slash president. He's never done that before, but I guess we'll see. And then... They have this talent, so they have these two wing players. They obviously, it seems like they don't know what to do with him, with them, 
or how to make Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum work. And this is why I think Rick Carlisle is the perfect answer. See what you can get. Find some other players. Find some diamonds in the rough to put around them. And see if you can make something out of them because they are two guys who are so talented and I'd love to see that team work. Um, even though I'm a New York guy, I hate Boston, but those two guys, if they could actually be fun and good together, that would be really fun. So I wonder how quickly we'll see um, Rick Carlisle in Boston if he ends up there. But get it done. All right, now, right now it's 7.15 p.m. on Thursday. So I'm just about done recording this and I'm going to have this up hopefully before... Uh, the next game, which is game six in the Bucks Nets series, but that's tonight. Bucks Nets, 8.30 p.m., game six. Um, lots more. I'm going to be posting a lot of videos and stuff from yesterday's podcast, from this podcast. I'm going to be, at least I'm going to try to. All that and more, so look out for that. I'm going to be trying to record podcasts more often, and hopefully the news cycle will keep up the way it's been, and I'll have plenty to talk about. So until next time, hopefully we'll be soon. See ya. It's now 8 p.m. I finished recording the podcast a while ago. Um, I don't remember what I said. Did I say 7.15 before? So now it's 8 p.m. It's 45 minutes later. And I just listened back to the Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Luka Doncic, whole part of the podcast. And I realize now my source is actually confirmed. My theory that I came up with is confirmed. It is 100% truth. Why do I know it's truth? I don't have an inside source. I didn't see anything on Twitter. I just listened back and I realized there's been a trend happening over the last like few months, I would say the last three months in the Knicks universe and on Twitter with Knicks fans. Everyone's been talking about how the Knicks won that trade. They won the Porzingis trade. They won the Porzingis trade. And I'm always thinking to myself, how could it, how is it possible that Knicks possibly won the Porzingis trade? They gave him away for nothing. This is a guy who had a world of talent that they gave away for nothing to the Dallas Mavericks. But the Knicks are in the playoffs. They have Julius Randle. They have this cap space. They have all these positive. They're moving in the right direction. And the Mavericks are a mess. And today it took another further step in that direction. Knicks fans are celebrating the downfall of the Dallas Mavericks as they have clearly just totally fallen apart. And the Knicks are the heroes. The Knicks have won that trade. They won the Porzingis trade. Look at Dallas. Look at them crumbling. And here's how I know I'm right. Because if KP is the problem and not Luka, then we're giving way too much credit to the Knicks. Then the Knicks actually won the trade. Then the Mavericks just traded for a guy who's disgruntled, impossible to deal with, and isn't good. He can't stay on the court. He doesn't care. And the Knicks made the smartest move of their franchise's history. That can't possibly be it. I I just don't, as a Knicks fan, it would be delusional to think that when we gave away Chris Tapps Porzingis for nothing, we knew. Obviously, we didn't know. But even if we lucked into it, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel right. I think Luka has been the issue this whole time in Dallas and not Porzingis. And I know that's not the exact uh, confirmation and 100% certainty you were looking for, but I think it does help push my theory along as a depressed Knicks fan. So I've been a very optimistic Knicks fan over the last uh, few 
months but um there's my uh, next fandom shining through I, I i pinched myself as i was listening to this i was like caught myself i was like oh my god oh no i've done something terrible i've given so much credit to the knicks they don't deserve this anyway um now i'm gonna go you can go listen to the uh, outro song now bye Can't go.